We have been enjoying all of the comments on our YouTube channel, which is a subset of Community Church of New York's YouTube page or channel. And we also have been getting emails and we've also got a new Facebook group, which will make sure the link to that is on our YouTube channel so that you can join in where we will hopefully have a really good discussion and create this media ministry community. So uh, today we wanted to talk about the economic realities of going into ministry and religious leadership. And we thank Michaela, one of our fellow seminarians for identifying this as a really important topic. All right. Okay. So this is a really, it's a really complex topic and there's a lot of terminology that we might be throwing around. Um, we will try to say at least one time, like the full name of something that we might use an acronym for, and then we'll um, try to put a key to some of those terms in the show notes so that people can refer to those. If you don't know what those letter that what do they call it alphabet soup is that we're saying so um this is a really interesting topic to me because my own personal story is very informed by the um not only just like i would say economic reality of um becoming a unitarian universalist ordained clergy person but also the way in which that reality includes so many um, roadblocks for people of many different kinds. Um, I would, and, and one of the biggest things is financial. That is one of the biggest roadblocks, I think. Um, as a uh, young person, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I think I was around... Um, I must've been around 25 years old. I was in religious studies at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and I was um, serving as the um, youth ministry coordinator for a very large high school youth group at the Tennessee Valley UU congregation in Knoxville. Um, the first year that I served for that, in that role, we took 28 people on our heritage trip to Boston. If that tells you anything about like, and this was back in the nineties, like the mid nineties. So it was a really big, vibrant um, youth group and vibrant congregation um, made up of many, many of the members of whom were like faculty at the university. Um, a lot of people who, I mean, you know, it was a very like, I would say middle to up, upper middle class majority white congregation. I don't know what its demographics are right now, but that's what it was um, back then. And I remember entering that congregation as um, a young uh, single parent and realizing that there were no other people like me there. If they were, they were hiding and I could not find them. So at that time, um, I was, you know, I was certainly the only person in the young adult category and then the fact that I also had a child and was unpartnered made it like I just didn't, you know, was like, well, ah, didn't really have a, a community. Now I know that has changed over the years and that there are many young adult groups in congregations these days. Um, and 
back then, one of the things I realized is I was in religious studies. I loved working in like Unitarian Universalist uh, community settings. And I thought that I might want to become a minister, like an ordained clergy person in the Unitarian Universalist denomination. And I started looking around and trying to, you know, trying to figure out, like, is that something that I could do? And um, one of the things that happened very early on is I spoke with um, an older uh, white woman, uh, ordained Unitarian Universalist clergy person, and told her about my dream. And um, she was very negative about it. Um, did not encourage me at all. And in fact, was the opposite of encouraging. And, you know, the, the, like whatever vulnerabilities that I was, you know, sharing with her and how that impacted me, like all of that aside, um, there is some very strong classism and Unitarian <laughs> Universalism, right? Like it wasn't just that I was young. It wasn't just that I was a parent. Part of it was that I was a single mom. Um, I think also part of it was around the fact that like, you know, as a young single parent, I didn't already have money built up and I didn't have, you know, from our conversation, it was clear that I didn't have inherited wealth. Like there was no, there was no like, oh, somebody's going to pay for this for me to go to seminary. The other really big, so, so finances were a really big stumbling block and back at, and at that time, seminaries were not online, right? So it was like, if you're going to go to seminary, if you want to become a UU ordained minister, you, you must go to seminary, which I don't think is actually true, but that's the vibe, right? That's the, I think you can get an exception to getting a master's of divinity. Like if you have some other equivalency, but I didn't know that. And I certainly wasn't told that. And also I was told that I would have to move. Like I would need to go and live, you know, go live at a seminary. And so it just all felt really unattainable to me. That's my story. Now, here I am, 20 something odd years later, dream um, starting to come true and in seminary. <laughs> but it did take for me, you know, having to get to a place where my daughter was, you know, out of the nest, off on her own, very well settled in her own adult life before I felt comfortable putting myself into a financial position of, of this vulnerability of, you know, looking for ways to figure out how to go to seminary myself. I could have been a minister for the past, I don't know what, I don't know what the math is, but I'm 49. So I could have been serving a, our faith as an ordained UU clergy person for the past 20 years. Um, but I did serve our faith. Anyway, I became, I got a master's in religious studies and I became a um, director of lifespan religious education and family ministry and have very, um, lovingly served uh, three different congregations in that role. And I'm very, very happy with that choice because it did allow me to still engage in ministry. Um, the big challenge there is that I've always been paid, I've been compensated way, way less than if I had been able to serve those faith communities as an ordained clergy person.